Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. So I want to continue about Jesus for sale. Go, go to Matthew chapter 20. Boy, I wanted to work with you this morning on Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I'm telling you, it would open your eyes. And you would see the word of God totally different. But Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, are you there? Look at verse uh, number 16, Matthew chapter 20, verse number 16. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that that is God's will. It's God's will that nobody would go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Can you say that with me? God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Even, even the people you walk by every day and never tell them about Jesus. Every person you walk by who don't know Jesus and you don't tell them about him, it is still God's will that they not go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Are you listening to me today? God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. For God so loved the world, the world, the world, America, the world. For God so loved the world, not this Western religion that we practice. God loves the world. Not this Americanized Christianity that we call it and try to substantiate it with scripture. God loves the world. And he loves the world so much, the father, that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever not attend your church. That whosoever not attend your sorority or your fraternity. That whosoever, not if you're a Mason or an Eastern star. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Not for the college ed educated or those who dropped out of school. He gave his life for the world. Jesus didn't die for the Baptists or the Methodists or the Presbyterian, or the Church of God in Christ, or the non-denominational. Jesus died for the world. And because Jesus died, you may not be a part of a denomination, but you can be a part of the kingdom of God. Because access to the kingdom is through Jesus. Jesus Christ alone. And so in Matthew chapter 20, you're there. Look at verse number 16. Look what it says. Ready? Read. Come on, read it out loud. 
Go ahead. Many are called. Many are called. But why are just few chosen? And I share with you this a few services ago that the reason only few are chosen because only a few are willing to pay the price of discipleship. True discipleship is going to cost you something. If you're going to be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God says, take up your cross and follow God. Oh, Jesus. Now, 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 let's, 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 let's get a little further. In John chapter 6, somebody chosen all to get excited. That's why you keep coming out of stuff that you fall in is because you're chosen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me give you 10 seconds of shout because you didn't come out because you were good. You came out because you've been chosen. There's some folks who've done the same thing you've done and they got trapped and never got out and you walked out not smelling like smoke. It's because you have been chosen. Every time you fall, you didn't get up because you wanted to. Something on the inside pulled you up because you were chosen by God. Ooh, Jesus. You couldn't turn away from him if you wanted to. You've been chosen. Glory to God. Are you in John chapter 6? Let's look at this verse 64. Now, now, um, I've already, well, maybe just do a, just a quick refresher. In John chapter 6, we're going to look at verse number 64, but we know the, the issue that we're going to face in verse 64 and onward, the, the reason this is going to be a challenge is because a few moments prior to verse 64, Jesus said to his followers, he said, uh, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. And, 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 and they got offended, the Bible says. And then the Bible says, and many who followed him, followed him no more. As a matter of fact, Jesus said something that, that, that thinned out the crowd. And the Bible says, and many of them followed him no more. The, the crowd got so thin that Jesus turned to his chosen disciples and said, will you also leave? And Apostle Peter, who we always try to get on and criticize, but, but, but Peter was a bad man. Peter was a bad man. I know, I know, I know we're on the subject where Peter denied him three times. Yes, yes, he did. But, but Peter, Peter got it right. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, when, when, the, when they came to take Jesus, uh, 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 Peter told Jesus, he said, listen, I'm ready to die with you. Jesus got to telling the disciples what was about to happen, that he was going to go to Jerusalem and that he was, he was going to be crucified. And Peter rebuked Jesus. He said, nothing going to happen to you. I'm, I'm willing to lay my life down for you. Now, don't be so critical on Peter because what Peter said was a truth. 
It's just that he wasn't ready to live out that truth yet. And so Jesus turns to Peter and he rebukes him. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, wait a minute. Just a few verses prior to that, when Jesus asked the disciples, who am I? And the, the, the uh, a disciple said, some said you're Jeremiah, some says Elijah, some say Elias. And then he said, well, who do you say I am? And I'm telling you today, church, you're going to have to know Jesus personally to get through the storms that are on the horizon. Hold on. There's a difference in knowing about somebody because most church folk know about Jesus. That's why they come to church. Because they know about him. But in many cases, don't live 10 cents worth of holiness. Because they know about him, but they don't know him. Because if you knew him, you would know that he's better than any sin that is trying to tempt you away from God's will for your life. Jesus is better than fornication. He's better than adultery. He's better than crack. He's better than whiskey. He's better than vodka. He's better than weed. I'm messing with your cabinet now. But he's better. Jesus is better than your husband. He's better than your wife. He's better than your children. He's better than your job. He's better than your education. He's better. He's better than anything you're trusting in. If it's not him. Good God of mercy. And if you had a revelation as to how much better he is, you would be so uh, willing to yield the things that's trying to pull you away from something that is better. Who, Jesus. And so you're, you're in John. Oh, I get excited. John chapter 6, verse 64. So now you're, you're starting to understand. Um, look, look at verse 64. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would, come on, so it's going to be more than Judas. It's, it's going to be more than Judas. Judas is already settled. But he is saying, there's a whole lot of folk in my church. Come on, talking about Jesus. He said, I got a whole lot of folk in my congregation. But I'm going to say something in a little bit that's going to thin out the crowd. And we're going to find out who really is following me. Oh, Jesus. Come on, let's stay with the Bible. Who they were, who did not believe, and who would betray him. And he said, good God of mercy. 
And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless he has been granted to him by my father. That's shouting ground right there. Anybody say anybody born again? Anybody here a child of God? Anybody on the East church, you're born again, you're a child of God. That's shouting ground because Jesus said you didn't come to me because you wanted to come. You came because I drew you. 161 people in the club and you're the only one I spoke to. Good God of mercy. He said the reason you're saved is because I chose you. And the reason every time you fail and made a mistake, I picked you up by my grace and my mercy because I chose you before the foundation of the world. you got to get a revelation. If you ever get a revelation as the price that Jesus paid for your salvation, you won't need a praise team to pump you up every Sunday morning. When you really get a revelation, deacon, when you say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus, and oh, oh God, those are not just words. You have to get a revelation. That I'm healed today because of Jesus. I'm in my right mind today because of Jesus. Everything I have is because of Jesus. Good God of mercy. Somebody's getting it on the left side. No one can come to me unless he has been granted. To him by my father. Look at verse 66. From that time, many of his, I don't even want to say it. Look up on the screen. From that time, come on, come on, read it. Hold on. Many of his what? No, not heathens. Not heathens. But people who said they love Jesus. People who said that they were following Jesus. And notice what the word says. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him. And if you're not careful, these things that are going on in the world, come on church, don't act like you're in the dark. We know about plagues. The coronavirus is just another plague that the devil has released on the earth. But over 2,000 years ago, God released the antidote to any plague that the devil would release. And no matter what kind of hell go on in the earth, God has promised to take care of those children that belong to him. Good Jesus. From that time, Many of his disciples went back, walked with him no more. 
this passage of scripture is addressed to Judas and to those disciples who left him. So Jesus is talking about Judas and maybe somebody on your road. Just because people shout, that don't mean nothing. Just because people come to church with their holy clothes on, that don't mean nothing. Just because people say holy, holy, that don't mean nothing. Who, Jesus? Are you listening to me? And it seems as though people are more concerned about making sure the pastor don't find out what they're doing than they are God finding out what they're doing. Ooh, we. So, so what we've just read, this implies that all of them, the apostles of the Lamb and these undesignated disciples, that all of them were under the influence of their own free will. I'm going to say something that's going to rock your theology. But Judas didn't have to betray him. Boy, you ought to see the looks I'm getting today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it had to be somebody because the scriptures had to be fulfilled. But it didn't have to be Judas. Just like the word of God says, the poor you have with you, but it don't have to be you. I exempt myself. Somebody got to be blessed to be the blessing. Somebody's got to be blessed to be Jesus Christ's hands extended. And since it's got to be somebody's hands to be God's hands extended, here they are, Jesus. Ooh, God. And the reason I say that is because if that not be the case, then Judas was like a robot. That he had no say in the matter. And if that, if Judas had no say in the matter, then you and I have no say in the matter. So that means you're embracing predestination. Meaning once saved, always saved. I don't believe that. Because God has given us a free will. Read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It was the free will that God got your, your mother, uh, your birth mother in trouble. Uh, what was her name? E Evie. She had a free will. She didn't have to do it. But she got enticed. And Adam did not have to do it. But he yielded to the voice of his wife. That's why a wife is in trouble and a husband is in trouble when a woman is married to a man that doesn't pray. Because when a woman, when the wife makes a mistake in the home, God has so designed it that the man would be the redeemer. 
That's why when you tell a man something, wife, you tell him something's broken or something's wrong and he discovers he can't fix it. He gets frustrated. Oh, Jesus. Are, are you all? Is this is, is this OK? So in verse 66, they no longer associated themselves with Jesus Christ. They not only no longer associated themselves, verse 66, they not only no longer associated themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God. But they also denied that he was the Messiah. And this is what, oh, God, I wish I had time. This is what got Judas in trouble. Let, let me, let, let's go, let's read a little further. Because I think, I think this, this is what throws us off. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? No, no, let's, let's get off to the disciples because he's saying that to you and I now. There's a whole lot of folk today who done left the church. I'm not talking about Harvest Church. I'm talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who just done backed away from the things of God. I mean, this virus uh, really revealed to some people if they were really in the faith or not. And so, obviously, the crowd got so thin that Jesus turns to the 12 disciples. And he asked them, are you going to leave me too? Now, let's make it personal because I believe with the hell that is going on in the world today and with all the temptation that is going on in the world today, I believe Jesus is asking you and I the same question. I believe the Lord is asking us if the devil offers you such and such or so and so, would you leave me? And don't be so quick to answer. Because we're not the ones you need to impress. Because Jesus looks at your heart. Ooh, Jesus. So Jesus says, will you also, will you also leave? And you know who spoke up. Jesus was saying, in essence, You've seen me walk on water. You witnessed me raising the dead. You saw me take two fishes and five loaves of bread and feed 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. You witness with your own eyes the miracles, signs, and wonders. And some of you got the same testimony. When there wasn't any food in the cupboard, God still fed you. When you didn't know where, the, where your next paycheck was coming, God still kept your life moving on. Now you're acting all cute now. When you were driving down the road with not one, not two, not three, but four Maypop tires. Y'all know what Maypops are. You're driving down the road, but your tires may pop at any time. 
I'm talking about back in the day when you went to the car and you hoped it would start. Come on, come on. I'm not talking about now how you just get in it, don't have to use the key. But I'm talking about back in the day when you'd get in the car and rub the dashboard. And say, come on, baby. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, Nellie Bell. Do it for me one more day. Do it for me one more time. How you drove the work on fumes and got there. Now that God has blessed you. Now you can't praise him. You done got too cute. You got too much money to shout now. But it was your former shouting that brought the increase that you're enjoying today. Somebody better help me preach. So in this group, in John 6, verse 60, what did I say? Verse 64 to 66, there were four groups of opinions. And while I'm standing here preaching today, there's probably four opinions in here now. There were four groups. There was the hostile leaders. There was the religious leaders. There was, as we've already clarified, the undesignated disciples. Oh, Jesus. And then the 12. Oh, God. Now, remember, those undesignated disciples, none of them were a part of the 12. And this is where I want to get today. I, I want to deal real quick again with, with these 12. I want to deal with Peter and Andrew uh, and James. And I want to deal with John and Philip. And uh, Nathaniel, I told you last time, Nathaniel would kind of fit today a little. Nathaniel was kind of prejudiced. But, but anyway, we're going Matthew, and none of us wanted to hang with Matthew because Matthew was an IRS man. <laughs> and, and then there was Thomas, and you, you know, he had some issues. Uh, then there was James, and there was uh, uh, Simon the Zealot. And then there was Judas, uh, the son of James. Um, uh, and then there was Judas. Uh, the one that would betray Jesus. I want to drop down because of my, oh, my time. Drop down to verse 70. We've already dealt with when Jesus, you know, dealt with the disciples, you know, are you going to leave me? And, and Peter and the disciples said, where, where are we going to go? And look at verse 70. Jesus answered them. He said, did I not, did I not choose you? Jesus said, did I not, look at that, verse 70, you there? He said, did, did not choose you? Anybody been chosen, make some noise. Look, look, look what he said. He says, did not choose you, the 12? He's saying, in essence, the only reason you're rolling with me is because I chose you. All 12 of you. This is what gets us in trouble. And he said, and one of you, some of your translation says, 
and one of you is the devil. I believe that's a misprint because, and I think it throws us off because now we think Judas is the devil and Judas can't be the devil. There's only one devil. I think a better translation would say is that Jesus chose Judas and Judas was possessed of the devil. Or here's a better one. This is Steve Howe's translation, so that means you don't have to take it. I believe at this juncture, Judas was being seduced by the devil because he hadn't done it yet. Oh, y'all playing me now. But, but there's some of you in here right now. You haven't done it, but you're being seduced right now to do it. And God is sending this word out to you to save you from killing yourself. Because if you don't receive this word, you've been thinking about it, but you're going to do it Monday if you don't grab this truth. So I believe that, come on, think with me for a moment. I believe that Judas was being seduced of the devil and Jesus knew it. And he knew if he didn't turn that he was going to go all the way. And we know at some point Judas went all the way. And it's the same with you and I when we're thinking about something that's wrong. If we don't get delivered from those thoughts that are in our head, what happens? We go, but what happens when we go all the way and we realize we were wrong and we do what? We re- repent. What happens? Come on, talk to me. Oh, geez, I done backdoored it on you. Well, then couldn't Judas repent? Come on now. Judas said out of his own mouth, he said, listen, I've I've sinned. I've done wrong. I've wronged a good man, a righteous man. And then he tried to give the money back to the Sanhedrin. Yes, to the high priest. And they wouldn't take the money. So he threw it at them. And he was saying, I'm sorry. And the world responded to Judas like the world will respond to you once the devil used you up. As long as you got hips and fingertips, you get all kind of temptations. But, but it won't be long the, the top part of you and the bottom part of you is going to come together. See, you're not going to be hot stuff all your life. No, they the devil is alive. That's the truth. That's the truth. But the devil try to make, deceive you into thinking that you always are going to be hot stuff. So he uses all your hot stuff until all your hot stuff is gone and then he lets you go. 
And the Pharisee said, we don't, we don't want the money. They were saying, in essence, we don't, we don't care what you do. You've done for us what we needed done. And the Bible says that Judas went out and what? And well, Hold on, hold on. You got to be crazy and out of order in your head to kill yourself. Yes? To commit suicide. And this is where a lot of religious people get their position that if somebody commits suicide, they can't go to heaven. Boy, y'all can't handle this. Well, let me ask you a question. Can you get sick in your stomach and do strange things because you're sick in your stomach? Come on now. Come on. I don't want to be lascivious, but, but your stomach can get messed up. Yes. And, and, and it can last for days. Well, I'm telling you, just like you can get sick in your stomach, you can get sick in your head. Some of you got parents who are old enough and they're into what they call Alzheimer's. And so uh, your mama never cussed. Now she's cussing you out. Your mama's not going to hell when she died. Something's going on in her mind, not in her spirit. When she was in her right mind, she received Jesus as her Lord and her Savior. I'm saying you can get sick in your head just like you can get sick in your stomach. And Judas got sick in his head. Just like some of you are sick in your head right now, but I'm giving you the medication. I'm serving you the prescription. I hope you open the bottle and take the pills. Oh, Jesus. Is, is, this, is, this, is this all right? I said, is this, is this all right? So in verse 67, Jesus said all these things to those who had witnessed all of these miracles. He said, will you go away? Will you turn back? I close on this because I don't want to come back to it next Sunday. But go to 1 Timothy real quick. 1 Timothy, just give me three more minutes and two more if I ask for it. Give me just 1 Timothy real quick, chapter 6. You got to see this. Because if you have a price to turn back on God, Satan eventually will find your price. And when I say your price, I'm not just talking about dollar signs, because for some of you to turn your back on God, all the devil has to do is make sure you get enough money. You get enough money, you'll stop praying. You get enough money, you'll stop reading the Bible. You get enough money, you'll stop looking to Jesus Christ as your source because you think your money is the answer. But for some of you, it's not money. Some of you to turn your back on God, all the devil has to offer you is a man. Okay, the sister told me to tell her to watch it, so I'm, I'm, if she said watch it one time, I would have stayed on, but she said watch it, watch it. So, so, so that, you know, I'm a good old Baptist boy, so I know what that means. Move on, move on to something else. (laughs) 
But while you're laughing, what is it that the devil will have to give you for you to turn your back on God? Some of you were walking close to God till you had children. You got children and you made them an idol. No time for God anymore because you're dealing with the baby. Now realize that the baby that you got, God gave it to you. But he didn't give it to you to take you away from him. God gives you things in hopes that you would, you would, you would, you would cherish it and, and thank God for it. And it would draw you closer to God. Ooh, Jesus. Let's close. You're in 1 Peter chapter 6. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. <laughs> chapter 6 with this unruly crowd. <laughs> look at, look at. Hey, those of you in, in the E-Church, I need you all to come physically to the church. They're outnumbering me here. I mean, hey, I feel their pressure. I need some help. Hallelujah to God. Look at, look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Look at verse 10. For the love of money. Come on. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Listen to it in the living. For the love of money is the first step toward all kinds of sin. Listen to it in the, in the Living Bible translation. For the love of money, not money, the love of it. The love of money is the first step toward all kinds of sin. Some people have even turned away from God because of their love for it. And as a result, have pierced themselves with many sorrows. So we see clearly from the scripture, money is not evil in and of itself. Money is amoral. And notice the Bible says, for not money is the root of all sin, the love of it. And what you have to understand, you don't have to have money to love it. I have to clarify that because the first thing you would think is if somebody is rich that they can't love God. Now realize it, maybe that's why they're rich. No, no, no. It's the love of money. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. That's why you can't tithe. It don't have nothing to do with God. You love money. Because if you love God more than you love the money, it would be easy to tithe. You can't wait to tithe. Just thinking about the blessings that you're going to incur as a result of honoring God. But what blinds you to tithe and offering is at the end of the day, you really love money. That's why you're tight. That's why I want to tell you women before you get married, make sure you marry a man that's not stingy. You're too old to be asking a man for money for pantyhose. 
I say that, you know, because they don't wear them no more. Are you all listening to me? I said, you, you're laughing, but you better be careful. You marry a man that won't give you nothing. And you show me a man that won't give you nothing, and I'll show you a man that is struggling with his love concerning you. Because when you love something, it will cause you to give. All I have to do is know my wife wants something. And if you've been around her much enough, she'll tell you, I have to be careful what I say around you. Because if I hear it and if I don't have it, I'll go to God and tell him about it. And God will see to it that it come into my hands. I believe I'm so blessed because God wants her blessed. So sometimes you're enjoying blessings. It don't have nothing to do with you, but it has to do with who you're going to share it with. Good God of mercy. Jesus for sale. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, Join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.